everyone. Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry, and here is my wonderful co-host, Haley Fouch. Hi, Haley. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm just happy to see your face. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. We're actually not taping Friday today, so I have something resembling a brain. Let's see how long that lasts. Speak for yourself. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've had a day... I'm a little tired, I'm a little out of it, but we're going to get through it. And we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, we've got a, a fun news packed up. We've got a big news episode for you guys. We're, we're talking about a lot of stuff and there's some really cool and exciting projects in the mix here. I guess we are going to start with a new one from Scott Derrickson. Right now I'm looking at uh, THR's exclusive on it. And they say that a sinister reunion is in the works because James Ransone, who obviously appeared in Sinister, directed by Scott Derrickson, they're reteaming in addition to Ethan Hawke, who is already attached to the project. They are doing something called The Black Phone, which is an adaptation of the Joe Hill short story. And if you want to know a little of what it's about, Story concerns a kidnapped kid who finds himself in a soundproof basement surrounded by the remains of other victims. When night falls, the antique and disconnected telephone in the room begins to ring with the calls from the dead. That is our story. That is some of our cast. The uh, the young kid in the movie is going to be played by Mason Thames. So he, he could be on the rise after this one comes out. We don't know too much about Ransone's role in the movie, except for the fact that his character is named Max, but Ethan Hawke is on board to play the kidnapper. So Ooh. I guess we got all the, all the basics there for you. And that is where, pretty, uh, where we're at this one. Pretty intriguing little synopsis there. I haven't read the story, um, but I like the sound of it. And to be honest, like ever since Ransone came on the show and was just like our most wild card, high energy, unpredictable guest, I, I'm just super fascinated by that guy. I've always liked his work, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. That episode of Witching Hour definitely made me an even bigger fan than I already was. I also think he he stood out big time in Sinister. I mean, there's there's a reason why he was a major role in Sinister too. Even though I think that movie overall isn't very good, but it's it's because he made a big impression with a small role, and I think he can do a lot more even than what we've seen from him. Even though his resume is down to the floor, <laughs> yeah, he's really got an interesting resume. Mm-hmm. I I just I, I guess the resume ties into like I like the choices he makes. And of course, something like this easily could be as, as you know, as casual as like, we worked together before and we liked it, let's do it again. But he's always choosing pretty interesting things. So he's one of those performers that makes my ears perk up just because if nothing else, you know, you're going to get sort of a, just a really unique performance from him and whatever he signs up for. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in agreement on that. You know, it's a, it's a Blumhouse project too, which yeah, pretty much always automatically has me signed up. And I like Erickson's movies too. I just, I may have mentioned this recently. I just rewatched Doctor Strange before WandaVision. And I had just rewatched it for Endgame recently before that. And when I rewatched it for Endgame, it didn't really work as well for me. But this time I was like, yeah, no, I super dig this movie. I'm having a great time. I really liked Doctor Strange the very first time I saw it, but when I rewatched it, I appreciated it even more. I think it does a lot with that movie in every single department. I mean, just the the way that they explore and build that character, I think it's really rich in that department. And that that is some very difficult stuff to tackle visually, and I think he does it very effectively. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a hot hot stance here i actually Uh think mads mickelson is kind of underrated as an mcu villain i really appreciated what he did watching it this time it's not a great character like that it does have that mcu villain problem where they're just kind of there but he makes such i don't know mads mickelson choices for his line deliveries and just to like um the part where he says his name is strange and he goes, perhaps, but who am I to say? Like that really landed for me this time. Dude's just funny. 
Yeah, I am. Uh, that's a, that's another one where I can say, sign me up for anything he does. I I did just watch another round oh, because nice. it's uh, it's a big run with Academy Award nominations, and that that movie overall is very good. But he is real real good in it i really enjoyed that one i think it just hit hulu maybe if people want to check it out so for anyone out there who really wants to watch it like and you have a hulu subscription you can just click play and watch it and as far as like oscar movies you know like air quotes oscar movies go it's super fun it's not like an emotional ringer of just you know like a lot of them are really heavy illness movies or things like that. Like it does have drama, but it's it's a fun, breezy watch. I know exactly what you're saying. I would say Another Round is probably the perfect split between yeah. fun and also some really heavy stuff. Yes. But it but it works. It works really well. And, and it moves. Like that it, it moves fast. Moves very fast. And that just like the general concept of that movie. Yeah so fun yeah it's a it's an interesting one all right next topic here Mm -hmm. we are going to american horror story i'm actually close some windows as we go along so my computer (laughs) so we are taking another step towards having a better understanding of what season 10 of the show is about because ryan murphy has unveiled the title of this season and it's going to be American Horror Story double feature Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hope sound doesn't play because I want to say this right of course sound is going to play and then you guys oh no yeah no wait it might no it's not all right so he he revealed a video on his Instagram I'm looking at and it says you know double features the title and then it says it is all right it's gone it's gone yeah it's kind of a slow ride to get to that catchphrase (laughs) Some Two open. horrifying stories for one season. So it's one by the sea, and then I believe it's one by the sand. Yeah, yeah, sure. one by the sand. So I guess that is kind of leaning into a lot of theories out there, suggesting that this could be a mermaid type story. Sure, I think it's probably. I mean, if I had to guess based on the imagery and all the theories, it's probably like uh, some sort of vampire on the sand side and you know, the mermaid siren vibe by the sea. Totally could be wrong, but those seem to be like the prevailing theories. When they say two stories in one, do you really think it is one standalone complete story and then another standalone complete story? Or is there going to be some sort of connective tissue between the two? I mean, just knowing how American Horror Story is, I imagine there'll be connective tissue. There almost always is at this point now. I I do for me, and I've said this before and whatever, it's just how I feel. I do hope it is like a standalone season. I'm good for a minute on the super connected narratives that we're starting to get more and more of. And even, you know, uh, 1984 had some connections, but they were pretty minimal. And that to me felt like more of a standalone season. I just, I need a, a little break from the whole coven apocalypse uh, hotel super connected vibe. Oh, Ap- apocalypse was very, very heavy. Probably the heaviest season of the bunch in that department. And I kind of liked it. I, d- I did really like it. But now that I got that, I think I'm ready to, you know, go back to unique standalone territory. I know. And so we've done this, I think, for three seasons uh, now that we've talked about, you know, we've talked through the lead up, the teases, the the theories, and then the ultimate review of the show. And it happens every time and it's happening again. I'm like, that sounds really cool. I'm totally buying into what they're selling. And we all know how it's going to go by like episode three. But I know they get me every time. You know what? Maybe... Maybe that means that the double story approach is a smarter thing to do because it gives them less room to go off the rails. Does it though? I worry that it gives them two rails to go off of. So I I picture Roanoke as I, (laughs) as I explain, as I just explained that thought and I'm like, hmm, maybe not, but... (laughs) I one can hope, I guess. I kind of laughed at the the double feature reveal because it's always like 
Oh yeah, the number one criticism of American Horror Story is definitely that there's not enough going on. Like, no, we need two <laughs> stories. Man, I just, I kind of, I know it's not going to happen, but I kind of hope it's it's two, you know, like simple, straightforward stories. Right. I just want, you know, two simple, straightforward, like character studies or something like that. <laughs> like what, what, like what it means to be a mermaid in the sea, what it means to be like, what did you call it? A, like a vampire on the land or? Yeah, that would be my guess. It's probably not going to be like a straight up vampire, but something. Yeah. I, I feel like I sounded like, like an idiot saying vampire on the land, <laughs> but I, like, I knew what you were getting at. Yeah. One, one by sea, one by sand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that that that's making me think of uh i just got like a really big uh, sleepaway camp flashback because i feel like that was printed on the side of the of the buses that we used to take like you know like coach buses when you're taking a really long trip it was like one one if by land and i I know that's that was was like the bus company or something interesting that was weird i hadn't thought about that you would think after uh like almost a decade of us being friends i would stop every time you say sleepaway camp thinking that you're talking about the film the movie yes every time like what how does that tie into sleepaway camp shit yeah i'm I'm like looking it up right now i'm telling you i feel like this this no no it's still there it's uh one if by land tours okay and it, it seems to be some sort of a travel service so maybe maybe the camp i went to Use that. These are these are the buses. All right, I need to stop <laughs> looking at this right now. Pushing back. It, it does. It does exist. As I was, as all that was dribbling out of my mouth before, I'm like, does this even exist? Did I dream this? Uh-huh. Like, no, it does. Story of my life. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that a lot lately. <laughs> all right, next story. Oh yeah, I like this story because I think them, which is a new Amazon Prime series, looks very, very good, and I am currently kicking myself because i was able to watch the first two episodes at south by southwest and i couldn't do it i I was very 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 upset well it'll be here very soon (laughs) i know coming to amazon in april you know how that is with festival stuff though it's like you have to you have to prioritize what you prioritize and if you have conflicts you gotta you know you gotta miss some stuff but then what winds up happening is I'm never rooting for something to be bad, but it always stings a little more when the first reactions to something you missed come out and it's really good. That's and right, right, this show right. seems to be getting a very positive response thus far. Yeah, it does. Um, super solid buzz came out of that South by premiere, which, and I would say like among the buzziest of anything I saw come out of there because reality being what it is film festivals aren't quite having the same cultural impact that they usually do but that one I saw like like a lot of chatter on social media and headlines and stuff there there was there was I was definitely hearing a lot about a lot about that um not to derail the conversation but I feel like you would really like this movie and this was the last one I watched at South by Southwest it's not it's not a genre or straightforward horror movie by any means but it was it was one of those kinds of things that isn't genre but I was getting like super tense Ooh. as I watched it to the point that it almost had a claustrophobic feel but without being confined to an actual space more being stuck in a character's uh mind frame and mentality it was Justine Bateman's movie uh Violet starring Olivia Munn okay it okay. is it's just got it's got a very specific style to it so I think you're either going to fall into step with it or you won't but it's it's about a film executive trying to kind of rise in the ranks at Holly in Hollywood. And, you know, she's like, she's a a 30 something trying to find a relationship and manage family expectations and all this stuff. But the interesting thing about the movie is it's got Olivia Munn's performance, you know, on set as anyone would do a traditional performance. But then on top of that, the film also through texts, has her internal reaction to some of the things she's going through. And then on top of that, it has Justin Thoreau voicing um, shit. What do they call it? Um, It's like the, like, ah, like not the communal voice, man. I, 
now I'm going to mess up the description, but it's like, um, no, not community either, but it's like the communal voice of like everybody else in your life telling you that things should be this way. You know what I mean? Interesting. Shit. Is it sort of like a a Greek chorus type vibe? Like the speaking for the people type thing? I don't know. Kind kind of. Speaking for you know, the most uh, socially acceptable decisions to make in general, or, or the, the decisions that you're expected to make in order to pursue the path that you want, even though it doesn't feel true to you, if you know what I mean. Oh, that's interesting. That definitely sounds intriguing. I can't believe I can't remember. Committee. It was committee. committee. Okay. He's, the, he's the committee. That's what it is. And you know, you know how we all have, uh, like we all have our own way of assessing things in our head. We have our outward actions. And then we have that committee in our head telling us that this is the truth and this is the path you're supposed to follow when deep down, you know, that's probably bullshit and I should be following what feels true to me. It was a very interesting combination that I thought she pulled off quite well. Sounds really cool. I can't wait to check it out. I'm curious to know what you think about you it. But anyway, you, them. Uh, do you know if it got distribution? Not that I know of just yet. It seems it seems likely to get distribution to me. I think it got a it got a mostly positive response. It's it's a very uh like bold unique movie. Cool. Um but I think it got a mostly positive response and I think with someone like Olivia Munn and also Justin Thoreau's name attached it yeah. it has yeah. its it has its chance. So we shall see. Yeah. Um is there anything else you wanted to bring up about them? No, I mean it looks super solid the I see there's a little bit of like this looks a whole lot like get out going around online um in terms of the themes are pretty similar but like mm, they're resonant themes it looks like a different approach and it's also it's an anthology series right is that correct is that my am I mistake I might be mistaken let me get some more info yes it is it's a new horror anthology series Right. So um, point being, it's obviously going to do different things. And I don't know, I think people are a little too quick to be like, well, this is similar to this. So we already have that and we don't need this. Yeah, I feel like I feel like people and I include myself in that descriptor can't help it, you know? Yeah just feels like the easiest way to describe something and that's not fair to that's not fair but I understand the knee-jerk reaction to say this is a this plus this you know what oh, I mean yeah I mean it's like it's a Hollywood trope for a reason it, it it's convenient and yeah. simple but anyway I guess I'm just saying I see the similarities but I totally don't ever want to write anything off without seeing it first and there's yeah. I've seen some negativity on social media that I'm like why don't y'all just why don't you watch it first yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. The other thing that I kept thinking about as I was watching it was Vivarium, just because of the, uh, you know, the suburban neighborhood. They, there's a, I think there, the, there is a teal house that's heavily featured in this trailer. And also, um, you know, when they do the overhead shot, I'm, again, I'm showing you and I can't show <laughs> our viewers right now, but when they do the overhead shot over the suburban neighborhood, that in immediately brought me back to vivarium well i like that you know i fucks with vivarium yes yes we both do all right so that's that's one of two trailers we're highlighting today because a last minute edition <laughs> which i'm happy that Haley suggested is an exclusive trailer that we have up and running on collider right now and it's for a movie called for the sake of vicious did you see this one in I, full i did I feel like you're you're better to introduce it than I am. Yeah, sure. So uh, for the sake of Vicious, I caught it at, I believe, Fantasia last year. And it's a... If, if what you wrote in your article is accurate, that is what you said. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fantasia and Nightstream sometimes blur to me. So I always have to double check myself. Um, not because they're the same festival, just because they were my first two big virtual festivals. And it was, you know, my first time experiencing that. Um, it is a very accurate title. It is a mean, brutal, little horror action movie about a, a 
woman who comes home from a hard night shift, she's tired, she shows up and one dude has another dude tied to a chair in her kitchen and he's torturing him for vengeance. And she's trying to navigate that whole nightmare. And then a bunch of trained killers show up and they kind of all three have to make an unlikely alliance to try to survive those guys. I have a question. When you say mean, so as I was watching the trailer and I saw some of the pull quotes, mm -hmm. they might suggest that it's a fun over the top kind of action. Is that I think it's not necessarily the case? I think it's both. Okay. Um, I think it is fun and over the top, but it's also like absolutely interested in extreme blood, bone crunching violence. Like it, it's not mean in the sense that like it's relentlessly cruel to its characters. I guess it's mean in the sense that the characters are relentlessly cruel to each other. Uh, it's it's super, I mean, it's it's definitely not like a soft R. But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was really accomplished for what's clearly an indie action movie. Uh, it, it takes place on Halloween, which I always like. It's not a major factor in the film, except that it allows people to walk around in masks without getting noticed. Ah. But uh, it is just a, a detail I always appreciate. You know, if there's pumpkin, pumpkins in the background of your movie, I'm gonna like it like at least 2% more. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. I thought I thought the trailer looked great. Yeah, it's a good trailer. But, uh, yeah, the I mean the visuals in it are spot on. It looks like exactly what you described: uh, vicious, brutal visuals. And then, like I I enjoyed the the elements of the, like the mask wearing and the helmets. I I like that that kind of specificity there. It definitely adds to it. But this is definitely something I really want to see. And apparently it is going to be in select theaters on April 16th before expanding to on demand on April 20th and also Blu-ray on May 4th. Yeah. I want to see it now. Who do I talk to to see it now? Hook me up, Haley. I can do that. I can do that. All right. I think we should make that happen because <laughs> I'm very curious. Um, do you know anything about the director? Um, I Directors. I, directors. I'm not super familiar. No, I, honestly, and same with the cast. I know they've been in other things, but I, this was really the first time I, I saw most of them or like, you know, in these types of big roles. I think they do a lot of supporting work. Um, so it was all kind of fresh and new, which I, I really like. You come in with no baggage, you know? Yeah, I'm looking them up right now. And I'm definitely not familiar with any of their previous work. So I would say this is probably one of their biggest things yet. Maybe that's a safe assumption, assumption to make. I, I, I mean, certainly in my experience, I don't want to invalidate any former projects, but this is the yeah. one that's been so heavily on my radar. All right. Um, eager to see it. The I was trying to think. I think the actress might be known from something. Whatever. My brain is apparently not as good as I promised it would be. Your brain thinks it's Friday because we're recording today. That's exact. Yeah, man. Tomorrow's going to be devastating. <laughs> oh wait, it's oh. not Friday. <laughs> I don't think I've seen. I'm looking at her IMDb now. I don't think I've seen anything that she's done. Yeah. Anyway, I'm probably thinking of something else, but I did enjoy it. I do think it's worth checking out. And I especially like, I, I really get a little nerd rant here or not rant, but whatever. I get really excited to see low budget action movies because action has become so part and parcel with like intimately fused with pop movies, you know, <laughs> um, and sort of overtaken by the superheroes and the space and all that and these massive budget uh, big studio pictures that I, I love to see a sneaky action movie that does a lot with a little. I am there with you. I like watching any movie that does a lot with a little. Well, that's true, but you know I love my action. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. <laughs> all right, speaking of a movie that I'm kind of betting is gonna have a lot, you wanna move on? Yeah. Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm assuming they're going pretty big with that. Resident Evil officially has a title. This is the reboot we're talking about. And the title of the movie is going to be Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Mm -hmm. Let's get you some more information here. This movie is not following the franchise, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and led by Mila Jovovich. 
Instead, it's going to be a new entry point to this universe, retelling the zombie outbreak that happens in Raccoon City in 1998. They have a great cast for this. Every single time, every single time I get an update on Resident Evil, the film franchise, I'm like, I don't know if I really need another one. But then I look at this cast and the folks involved. I'm like, huh, maybe I do. Robbie Amell is in it. We've got Tom Hopper, who we all know and love from Umbrella Academy. Evan Jogia is in it. Kaya Scott Alario, Hannah John Kamen from Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's a, a great group right there. And as, as far as that title, I mean, you know, it's just a title and you all probably know out there, like I don't really play the game, so I can't really judge the title based on the source material, but the idea of going back to Raccoon City and re uh, revisiting how the whole thing happened to begin with is very intriguing to me, just because the previous iteration of the franchise had, in my personal opinion, gone so far off the rails, so I'd rather go back to the beginning and have it contained to that, so hopefully... That is what we're getting here. And if that's the case, I will be looking forward to it even more. I mean, I like agree 10,000%. You know that I enjoy the Resident Evil movies um, for what they are, but what they are became super ludicrous, uh, biggest guns possible, hideous monster movies you know which is fair to to a certain extent fair to how the games evolve from what I understand but um I I'm so eager to see it toned down and taken back to something more simple more more focused less uh automatic weapony I think probably I mean they're still probably gonna have them but not like these cartoonish big guns and uh it's just that vibe I'm a total sucker for I love an outbreak vibe like a zombie outbreak vibe to be clear after last year I'm not a big fan of viral outbreak for the moment but um that that sense of urgency and survivalism is what hooks me a lot yeah just in terms of disaster type movies in general like there's there's ones that I obviously love all the way through, but I always feel like one of the strongest acts for me in those movies is the first act when you've got a sense of normalcy that winds up breaking down. And, you know, I don't know if that's what, exactly what we're going to get here, but it does seem like it's going to be at the start of the outbreak. So I feel like there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, I should mention that Johannes Roberts is the one directing this and Again, again, I am just predicting that this is going to be one of his bigger movies, especially coming off of something like 47 Meters Down and The Strangers Pray at Night, which were, were fairly well-known movies. I mean, 47 Meters Down wound up getting a sequel. Strangers Pray at Night is obviously the sequel to The Strangers, but I think he's going to get a lot more to play with here. And if he can come up with uh, some set pieces along the lines of maybe his pool sequence and Pray at Night, <laughs> I am very much here for it. You read my mind. We have, we have not been quiet that the best part of Pray at Night is that pool sequence. And I think it's a, a positive sign for something like Resident Evil because it really is a fusion of action set piece and like straight up horror gonna kill you vibe you uh yeah yeah and he said he i think he spoke with ign briefly he did he did i should have i should have uh mentioned that this all came from an ign interview that he did for south by southwest i believe yeah and he referenced um two john carpenter movies the fog and assault on precinct 13 as sort of influences those are two of my favorite john carpenter movies and I like that they're they're pretty different but what they both share is like this sinister presence encroaching in on something and corrupting what's there and that's just perfect for for a Resident Evil vibe I'm very into that yeah all right next up here mm -hmm. this one is another one for you Haley, because you've seen this movie I believe oh yeah Focus Features acquires Timur Bekmabatov's terrorist thriller, Profile. That's a headline from Deadline. Ooh, that rhymed. <laughs> um, this, this was uh, apparently their, their exclusive. So they have the movie. Universal Pictures will distribute internationally. So this should get a sizable release, and it's scheduled for a theatrical release of May 
14th. So do you want to tell us what Profile is about? Sure, man. I saw this so long ago, it feels Yeah, I remember talking about this with you forever ago. Wild. I remember sitting at a, a little restaurant bar in North Bend writing my review all those yeah it premiered at North Bend uh that's where I saw well not premiered it it screened there uh it might have premiered I don't want to speak out of turn but yeah that's where I saw it world world premiere at Berlin in 2018 where apparently it won the audience award which piques my interest even more yeah so it's it's a pretty gripping thriller that makes smart use of the screen life format which we are known fans of um, it, it's about a, a an investigative journalist trying to infiltrate a terrorist operation who you see it all from you know the perspective of her webcam conversations and emails and sort of the the front that she's putting up on one side versus the truth of what's going on in those other messages it, it's a good like screen life really fits for a double agent or a a undercover type story um, because it does allow you to expose someone's inner workings while they're saying something different. Um, I didn't think it was perfect, but I, it is like thrilling. (laughs) It will get like your blood pumping and the performances are really strong it's a it's a solid one. I'm surprised it took this long to get picked up genuinely, especially yeah. after searching. Yeah, that is that is kind of strange now that you bring it up. But when it comes to uh, landing with a particular distributor, I mean, this kind of sounds like the right move to me. Yeah, it's a I think it's a good fit at focus. And like you said, it sounds like a pretty sizable release, which I think is fitting and and it, it tracks to me that it would win something like the audience award because it is a real, like, not quite a crowd pleaser, but it is super gripping and takes you for a ride. It apparently also won the, the audience award at South by Southwest in 2018. Well, dang. Yeah, I'm impressed. I have, I have one question for you with the uh, screen life element. Yeah. Is, it, is it screen life predominantly like we've seen it before? Or is there any new use of that tool that is going to take the technology to another level? I don't recall anything super transformative I think it does a couple clever maneuvers in there Mm -hmm. but nothing that's like a a groundbreaking shift in how the format's been used I was just curious I feel like having seen Romeo and Juliet at Sundance is is just making me think of all the different techniques that can be applied to screen life and how exciting (laughs) that is all right do we want to hit our last news story yeah this is a whole bunch of release day shifts, but we're focusing on Cruella because I guess that's the most genre movie of the bunch here. So I feel like we knew something like this was going to happen to a degree, but Disney has opted to move some of their releases that were right around the corner, and they are going with that same day option now for Cruella, where it's going to get a theatrical release and be available on Disney Plus at the premium price on May 28th. If you want a little sense of what they're thinking, the quote from the chairman of Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution, Kareem Daniel, is today's announcement reflects our focus on providing consumer choice and serving the evolving preferences of audiences by leveraging a flexible distribution strategy in a dynamic marketplace that is beginning to recover from the global pandemic. We will continue to employ the best options to deliver the Walt Disney uh, Company's unparalleled storytelling to fans and families around the world. That is from marketing googledygook. Yes, it is. So this shift will also affect, I mean, the big one there is uh, Marvel's Black Widow. I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised. Like, I'm surprised that I'm not that they wound up making this move with that movie as well. But it's also going to affect uh, Pixar's Luca, Mm -hmm. which doesn't surprise me as much after they released uh, Raya and the Last Dragon that way. So that is that's where we're at with uh, some big Disney releases that are right around the corner now. Very interesting. Uh, I am genuinely surprised by Black Widow, mostly because it also got pushed to July. So like that's 
wild to me. I don't, that's just wild. I think they're trying to have, have their cake and eat it too. Why do I feel like I'm not using that expression right? Even though I know that I am. You totally are. And I think it's a very weird, like if it doesn't like that phrase doesn't feel right in my mouth for some reason <laughs> or in my head. I don't know. You guys know what I mean though. I think they're, uh, I think they're trying to, I think they're trying, trying to maybe be respectful of the fact that people won't be ready to get out and see a, a movie in theaters just yet, but also try to get those theatrical dollars because one can assume at this point that many, many people out there will be vaccinated and ready to go back to theaters by July. So I think they they could wind up with the best of both worlds, which that feels a lot better to me um, at that time of year. Uh, I, this is obviously going to be purely conjecture, but do you think on the business end that that decision might've been motivated by how many people watched WandaVision? How, how so? In the sense that that was their first live action Marvel thing to hit Disney plus. And if it was a massive success for them, then maybe that helped because I know Feige's been pretty vocal about he didn't want Black Widow to go direct to streaming. So I wonder if that, like, if if WandaVision was such a massive success that it was something that helped push the Disney execs over the edge to like, yeah, we're going to do it anyway. I know. I, th- I kind of think they were going to be in this position no matter what. I, I don't think they have a choice. I mean, I, I think... I think this is the end of the road as far as pushing that movie goes. Yeah, maybe. I think they have to they have to get it out just for the sake of story, I think more than anything. Because now they're really bumping up against a lot of other releases. They have to get Black Widow and Shang-Chi out at this point. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't know, it's interesting though. Uh it's very interesting but I, and it is I, I do think they're playing both sides with that particular release date. I also think think that it's undeniable at this point that in terms of what they have chosen to send to streaming has been either stories about people of color or women or now with Luca um, LGBT and it's just like a little gnarly to process and I'm still working through like my feelings on business is business and those were the movies set to release and how much is that a factor of just that they are making more inclusive projects but then you look at what didn't get put there and it's just like a little over the top that one of them's called free guy and the king's man I'm like come on guys it's just like a little much I think what you're saying is undeniable yeah I will say for the animated movies being released that way, I think it is probably just because animated movies seem, and again, from my limited perspective, where we're basically, this is the other thing that's driving me off my mind right now, especially as someone who was previously obsessed with box office stats. We're basically in a world for the last year where we have no legit information about how these things are doing, except for someone coming out of the blue and saying, this is our highest performing premiere yet. I'll give you no data to compare it to. Like, come on, that that doesn't mean anything. Let's, Let's just hold it on that. But I do suspect that some of the animated releases geared towards fun for the whole family type viewing experiences have probably had the best releases streaming wise, which is probably making it more encouraging for them to release their animated properties that way. That totally tracks for me. I mean, if you at all follow like what's in the top 10 on Netflix, you can always see that kids stuff is just an ever present force in there. I mean, I'll always use folks in my life too that aren't inside the bubble but are maybe on on the fringe and I don't know maybe it's also because my my sister has a child who's first getting into animated features but she she had literally no interest in those movies and now all of a sudden I have my sister telling me she's probably gonna buy Raya and the Last Dragon so they could watch it together and 
that that really excites me but i think it also gives me like a little window into what the general movie going public and not you know folks like the two of us and everybody listening to this yeah. who live live eat breathe movies all day long and you know that that gives you a better sense of what the widest possible audience will be spending their money on well and one of the the other like metrics we've somewhat had to track over the last year without box office is like the success of VOD releases and it's pretty undeniable that like the the animated movies have just been blowing it out like Trolls World Tour was the first one yeah. where the sales were just insane and then um <laughs> I will always forget because it's so funny and random and not what I expected like the Croods 2 just blue tenant out of the water <laughs> i need to watch the crudes it's fun yeah i don't know why i've never i've never bothered with either of those movies but i do hear nice things about them i haven't seen the second one but the first one is totally cute and fun why was i just thinking of the crudes recently oh i know why it was because Hold on, I'm going to look this up so I don't say the wrong thing, but I'm pretty sure it it came up because of some recent ladies night prep. And oh, hey, this gives me a great opportunity to plug the next episode. It's really cool. It's with Aza Gonzalez and she's always my favorite and always someone who I find is very pleasant to talk to, but I've only really had the opportunity to talk to her in those like four or five minute junket blocks. So it was so nice and refreshing to actually have a full 40 minutes to talk about her film, her filmography. But I believe, I believe she did one of the Crudes movies, the Emma Stone role in, in, uh, in, in Spanish, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of stuff doesn't show up on someone's IMDb. And I clicked on God knows how many websites researching all of her past work. I mean, I could definitely find, yeah, I have it here. Apparently it was just the the first Crude's, Crude's movie. And Eep is, is Emma Stone's character. Okay, I'm not like a Crude's expert pair. Sorry, I just, I, I, now, I, now I, you're I, the person I go to when I want to know <laughs> Crude's information. Um... That is Emma Stone's character, and she's credited on Wikipedia, at least, as having done the Latin American Spanish dub. Good game. So yeah, that's, that's why The Croods was on my mind recently. Nice. I like her a lot. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully between I Care A Lot and Godzilla Kong, she's about to be on a lot more people's radar. Wait until you see the clip that I'm going to release from that of her talking about I care a lot. It's not it's not even necessarily about the content of the movie, but it's it's her it's her reaction to hearing that Rosman won the Golden Globe and it is just utterly delightful. Oh sweet. I can't wait. That's probably one of my favorite breakouts and it isn't even like a meaty detailed processy <laughs> quote. So nice. But that's how you know uh, I really really love the clip. Uh, you do a great job always and uh, your breakouts are top notch. I appreciate you saying that. I worked very hard on that show. So we've come to the end of our news rundown. Yeah, boy, time flies when when you've got fun and a million stories. Seriously, um, what what have you watched lately? Whether it's genre or or not, we actually have a couple of minutes where we can just shoot the shit and talk about stuff that excites us. Okay, fun. Well, I do have a, like, new to me, not new at all, but I just finally started watching Good Girls, the NBC show. Oh, every single time a promo comes on for that, I'm always like, I should watch that show and never do for some reason. Totally addictive. Super fun. It's uh, Mae Whitman, Retta, and um, um, Christina Hendricks as a trio of suburban moms who wind up doing some crime. And... It is a hoot. And what a what a wonderful trio of actors. You know, that sounds great on paper, but it's so much better in, in action. Um, I actually just started that last night and I was up a little too late because I wanted to watch one more episode. I am going to note that one down because I really do want to watch it. Um, I feel like after like right now I'm mostly focused on I'm mostly focused on watching anything that I have to for a ladies night episode obviously because that's been my day to day but 
I'm also focused on watching every single thing that was nominated for an Academy Award. Ah, and so yeah. now I've hit the point where I need to start going through all the international features, the documentaries and the shorts. I always make a point every year to watch all the shorts because I feel like they don't get nearly enough love. So that is that's on my list. But sorry, I'm trying I'm rambling because I'm trying to look up a an embargo as I <laughs> as I want to talk about one other thing that I watched yes I hope the embargo is up because I want to hear it oh no the, the embargo is up I'm so surprised so and this is another shameless plug so on Friday night Haley if you're around and you want to participate please do Ooh. I just put you on the spot now I feel bad um <laughs> so on, on Friday night starting at five o'clock pacific I am moderating a Twitter watch party for the next installment of Into the Dark called Blood Moon and it's from director Emma Tammy who I like quite a bit and I I know that Into the Dark installments have been hit or miss along you know the entirety of the series run but Blood Moon is is definitely one of the better ones it's uh it's about uh, a mother and a son who are very clearly on the run. And the son has a, a, a unique condition that leans into horror storytelling. I'll just, I'll put it at that. But if you participate in the, uh, in the Twitter watch along, there'll be lots of spoilers there. And Emma's participating in some of the cast, but I really appreciated um, how contained the story felt. And this, I almost blabbed about this without realizing the embargo information earlier, but I think that Blood Moon is one of the best examples of making the most of what you have, oh. because it's the kind of story that would call for some pretty heavy visual effects. And obviously they don't have the resources to pull it off like we've seen in past films and shows, but the way that they work around it is especially effective. And I think it's especially effective because of of Emma's eye for the way to cut around things like that, but also because this installment focuses more on characters and the relationship between the mother and son, more so than some of the other installments I've seen, which pretty much focus on their high concept more than anything. And I think that that serves this story very well. So I, I genuinely mean it. I'm not just saying it because I'm doing a thing with them on Friday. This, was, this has wound up being one of my favorite Into the Dark uh, features. And um, for folks who might be wondering why they know Emma's name, she directed The Wind in 2018, 19? Um, might be 18. Might be 18. Wow, that feels so recent. And you're right, it is 2018. And I think it might have had a, if I'm correct, a festival debut even even before that. I think it might have debuted at, uh, at TIFF 2017. Wow. It's very possible. I, I also think that this is um, this is better than her previous Into the Dark Delivered, which I think is is fine. But this this has a, even more craftsmanship, and I really appreciated that. I was going to say something else about her, and I forgot. Oh no, I was going to ramble about something else. I'm what just looking do? up the dates. I'm I'm looking up the dates really quick, just so we don't date the wind. The wind actually did get its release limited in 2019, uh, and it yeah. premiered at TIFF 2018. But anyway, the thing that I was gonna uh, I shouldn't have closed that window. The thing that I was gonna bring up is I think one of the alt titles of that this movie had the word demon in it. It it did. I, I swear this is a point, Haley. <laughs> I believe I'm just, you. I believe you. It, it had shit. Of course, I'm not going to find it now. Are no, I am going to find it. I am going to find something it. Else. I feel like this title was like getting confused with like, like something called the wind, the demon on the prairie. And then Matt made me obsessed with demon wind, which is <laughs> yeah. way more fun than I thought it would. Have you seen demon wind? I haven't done it yet. Don't tell Donato. Um, you you should probably watch it. Okay, noted. Wait, I'm looking up Dean. Apparently, there's another movie called The Wind: Demons of the Prairie. So now I'm confusing everyone with three titles. But the point being, watch Emma Tammy's The Wind, and then also go watch the I think it's a 1990 movie called Demon Wind. That's not a good movie by any means, but it's highly enjoyable, and I think that that is still of great value here. So go check out Demon Wind. 
I don't know. It's one thing coming from Donato, who, like me, adores trash. It's another thing coming from you. I'm definitely more intrigued than I've ever been to watch it. I was very, very into it. It's got it's got Evil Dead vibes. And I mean, like, Evil Dead ripoff vibes and not really tapping into it and making it its own. But it, it's a very difficult thing to explain when you know a movie is just pure crap and, like, makes no sense. It's And it's like, even the filmmaking, like, I'll give you one example. And I feel like... This isn't going to play as well for anybody listening and not being able to see. But there's one scene in, a, in the movie where someone throws a knife at the, uh, the protagonist's head. And the way that they shoot it is he throws the knife, it lands in the wall. And it's like for four seconds, the shot just sits on the protagonist being like, <gasps> and he's just like frozen, like, oh, my God, in the oh, my God face, you know, they're they're. Uh... That sounds to me like striving for a, like you said, a Bruce Campbellian reaction and instead landing firmly in straight up camp. Uh, it's, it's the kind of camp that I enjoy though. I'll give it that. I do not say camp with a negative connotation whatsoever. I love it. I saw someone tweeted that recently. So, or it was like, uh, not camp, but I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Oh, I'm kind of on that page. Yeah, I no, I, I think I'm I think I'm with you on that too. All right, we've come to the end of witching hour. Before we go, is there anything you want to promote or plug? Well, not exactly, but in terms of things I've watched recently, we can't talk about it yet. But we can tease next week's episode is going to be an all inner on Godzilla versus Kong, and I'm sure we will have much to discuss. I I very much look forward to that. Yes. Um. Anything else I want to plug? Mm. I wish I had better answers to this. Every week I'm like, here's a philosophical idea you should embrace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugging charity. I don't know. Uh, no, nothing. I'm not doing anything cool. Sorry. You're, you're just cool in general. So I'll just plug Haley herself. I think she's wonderful. Too. You're so wonderful. I just and I, I, I plug Haley. Thanks. I appreciate it. I feel like I kind of already got my plugs out, but I'll just uh, remind you of them because they're two things I'm very excited about. Next week's uh, Ladies Night is going to be with Asa Gonzalez for Godzilla vs. Kong, and we're going to be running those breakout clips that I also tease throughout the weekend. So keep an eye out for those. And again, follow me on, on Twitter and follow all the folks involved in Blood Moon on Twitter as well. And then all you got to do is press play on the movie at five o'clock Pacific on Friday night, and you will be able to tweet along with us. You could reach out to the filmmakers and the actors. It'll be a lot of fun. I hope you realize that this conversation has absolutely broken me because the second you said blood moon, I was like, isn't it blood wind? <laughs> it's, it's all my fault. I put that in your head. My apologies. But I feel like in mushing all those things together, we did leave people with multiple good recommendations. That's so there's true. some sort of win in this conversation. Yes. A win or a win? Much win. Probably a win. <laughs> all right. It's time for us to tune out. Big thanks to everybody who is listening. You have officially survived the witching hour. Bye.